if I say that to you, James, as a high school student, you're probably like, where can I write the check? I want to invest right. in your future, right? right? But if you tell me you're going to college and don't know why, I'm thinking, I'm going to take my card back and six more pieces of cake and I'm out of here. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Well, hello everyone, this is James, and I have a great guest lined up for you today, Nate Clayberg. And he and I are going to have this, what I think is going to be a, a phenomenal conversation about the decisions that young people have to make regarding what happens after high school. And should they, should they go to college? Should they pursue that two-year degree? Should they just you know pursue that dream or go into the workforce? But before we get to that, I want to tell you about a live virtual training program that I have called Accelerate. And Accelerate is designed to give you the tools and the training to improve communication, boost engagement, and drive culture, just to really create a cohesive team. So you'll learn how to identify behavior styles, how to be a champion of giving and receiving feedback, and how to create a culture of accountability. Another thing we do is we just learn how to break free of certain leadership styles that lead to bottlenecks, busyness, and stress. And I like to say it this way. If you want operational excellence, you have to understand what makes people exceptional. And that begins by understanding what makes you exceptional. But don't miss this. The thing that makes you exceptional might be the very thing that frustrates someone else the most about you. For example, your pace, you know, the speed at which you make decisions and approach your work. Uh, even your tolerance for risk. These are things that, that can put people uh, against each other and create some conflict. So the thing that makes it exceptional is, is very much the thing that might frustrate your coworkers about you or your manager or your team. So this is what it means to understand how people are wired to be exceptional so that we can maximize productivity and boost your bottom line. So you can learn more about the specifics of this training called Accelerate at my website, jamesmayhew.com, or anytime I answer my phone, you're going to call direct, uh, not going through any call service or anything. It's 319-929-2604. So, so Nate, let's give it back to you. Like, it's so good to have you here today. Um, we have had some, what I consider really good conversations. Uh, a couple of times that we've talked over Zoom here, you and I aren't very far apart geographically, but just we connected through LinkedIn. Actually, it was a referral from uh, from another connection, Barry, uh, I think that got us connected. So yeah, thank you for being here. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your journey. I, tell us about you. Well, it's, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't know how long your podcasts are. I don't know if we can go 70, 80, 90 minutes or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I grew up, uh, I'm, I'm in Northwest Iowa or Northeast Iowa now. Uh, Cedar Falls, Waterloo area, Jessup, small town, um, uh, a small town guy. And um, 
you know, grew up in Webster City, Iowa, Northwest Iowa, went to Iowa State uh, for college. But, you know, along the way, um, you know, my, my parents divorced back uh, when I was in eighth grade. And, and I think there was a time there. That's where I really started my, my uh, world of work. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, okay, if I need something, I'm going to have to get it myself. So I think that's where I started my, uh, uh, my, my weakness of trying to have as many jobs as possible. And uh, it has sustained since then, unfortunately. But uh, I think in, in doing that, it set me up for where I am right now because I started learning more and more about different jobs, different careers, meeting all sorts of different people, which um, hindsight, that's been the best byproduct of, of, my, of my career, whether it was a part-time or contract or full-time or whatever it is, is all these people I met. Uh, there's probably some people I wish I hadn't met, but there's some people, you know, some people I wish I had gotten to... <laughs> To know a little bit more, uh, but you know that's what I have always valued was was the networks, and that brings us back to how we got together was just yeah. the connection that we had with with Barry Richter. But um, yeah, originally, um, you know, going back as far as you know, right around that time of of my parents uh, splitting up, I was thinking I always loved space, you know, following uh, NASA. I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. So, a buddy yeah. of mine, we raised money. Uh, we went to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, wow. we were in eighth grade, flew down there through Dallas, Fort Worth airport. Um, my buddy's friend or my buddy's dad had a bunch of American airlines points that, uh, he put up for us too, to go down there. But it turns out that I went down a great experience, mm. awesome experience, met some kids from across the country. Um, there was a session in there and they were talking about the importance of, math and science as it relates to, you know, getting involved in space. And I thought, well, it's not quite important to me. Uh, so maybe space isn't my avenue to get into. Um, <laughs> sure. So that, you know, that was kind of my first discovery. And, and I do remember um, really kind of working hard in school. And I remember coming back there, I was a little disheartened. And mm -hmm. I remember slipping on my grades a little bit. And I don't, I, I can't identify it now, but then I probably didn't identify it very well that, okay, that's now what, where do I go? And, uh, that kind of followed into broadcasting and, and I kind of rewind that maybe I enjoyed, uh, space camp or NASA because I liked watching mission control with them wearing a headset. Oh yeah. yeah. So, you know, foreshadowed in the future that that's what I do is I wear a headset, whether it's, uh, <laughs> on a zoom call or calling a basketball game or, or whatever it is on a, on a, on a two-way radio or whatever. But yeah, I, you know, I got into radio broadcasting and moved my way through small town radio and onto uh, some stations in the Ames area and the Boone area, uh, realized that, that really was a passion job uh, mm -hmm. that I loved doing it. People told me I was good at it. So it made me think, okay, I, I must be good at this. Mm -hmm. uh, but then hindsight looking through, um, I didn't know what kind of money I should make, right? To, to live, not to get rich necessarily, but I think there's a, there's a dollar amount that we all need to, to meet our needs. Um, and that wasn't it. Uh, and I was working a ton of hours, but it didn't mind. Um, mm -hmm. And at the time the world needed it. Um, you know, an icky guy is a, a thing I think we've talked about. Uh, it's a Japanese phrase of, you know, does the world need it? Uh, can you get paid to do it? Uh, are you good at it? Uh, and do you love doing it? You put those together and, and it's a, a reason for being. You find your purpose. Yeah. And that was broadcasting for me was um, was two of them. It was it was a passion job. 
but the other parts of it were, were a little tough and, and got married, moved to Iowa City area. My wife was in grad school, uh, a cyclone fan in Hawkeye country. That was a little hard. <laughs> sure. um, but, um, you know, that was kind of a, the time in my life where I was trying to figure some things out. And where do I want to go? Um, kind of knowing that my where my wife's job and career was is probably going to be uh, the one that kind of drove our family uh, of where we were going and and things like that. So, um, you know, two years there, sold office equipment, sold advertising. Um, again, some good jobs, but it wasn't wasn't for me. Um, I worked as a football manager for Iowa State two years in college. That's where my I met my wife. I thought that was a fun environment. Mm-hmm. Plus, in broadcasting, it was around sports. We ended up in Richmond, Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, you know, Final Four team a few years back. Yeah, VCU uh, for sure. VCU. Yeah. Jeff Capel was coach there. Um, you know, went to grad school for sports administration. My wife had taken a job out there, and our daughter was born out there. And you know, I was there for two years. Moved back to Iowa. My wife got a call to come back to to the Waterloo area for a job, and we couldn't pass that up with our daughter only being two months old at the time, mm-hmm. be closer to family. Um, so, and I'm like, okay, what's out here? So I reached out, I'm going to come back to connections again, that I had some connections from VCU to the athletic director at UNI, uh, mm-hmm. at Northern Iowa. Um, and then a buddy of mine that I grew up with was a track coach there or assistant track coach. So I kind of got some connections in there and, uh, lo and behold, I start working there in March of 2003 and, uh, worked there all the way till officially January of 2009. Some cool things along the way, but I was working 60, 70 hours a week. Uh, some great experiences, some great people um, that I was a part of. But, uh, you know, this is, this is I think we all have those moments in our life. And I talked about one with my parents splitting up that kind of sets a trajectory. And, and do you adapt or how do you overcome, adapt, whatever? And this would have been the day after President Obama was elected in 2008 uh, in November. I get a call into uh, our AD's office and questioning some things that I had done that I felt like were fine, but uh, he told me I had 60 days to find a new job. And wow. And, and it was, oh, okay. Um, and that was hard for me because that's how people knew me. It was an identity thing, right? Yeah. So I was leaving that world. Um, that I'd met all these people and had done all these things. And I was working all those hours. I said, I got hired with a job and a half. I knew that uh, budgets had changed. Um, roles had changed. I think I had six or seven hats I was wearing, um, overseeing spirit squads, uh, the audio video systems for our arenas, for promotions, you name it, ticket sales, group ticket sales, some marketing, all that. It was too much. Um, and I just, I remember my wife would say, you keep saying it's going to get better. And it de- never did. And that our was, wives are, our wives are really smart, right? <laughs> you know, they just see stuff that we don't see. I, I can totally yeah. relate. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you know, you come out of that, but you know, James, this was 2008. So the recession was taking hold. Yes. I remember um, that. But I was on the phone when I left their half hour home and I would, you know, I was, I had tears coming you know, uh, calling my wife, but then I'm, I'm going, who can I call? Where can I get, where can I find a job? I had three leads before I got home of possibilities that were happening, um, and ended up 
Uh, actually, <laughs> I actually worked in the travel industry for two weeks uh, from a connection I had and realized that maybe wasn't for me because there was going to be some travel involved in that with young kids that I had at the time uh, and a fundraising for a hospital system in this area. Um, but those all came through connections. But that uh, that healthcare job was one that, again, it was a great place to work. Well, you just a couple of things I, I just want to just say real quick is. I know I'm not here. even done yet, so I needed a timeout <laughs> at halftime. <laughs> well, well, there's a couple of things that that really stood out to me, I think, from themes. Um, and one I want to come back to and talk with you later. So I'm just going to plant the seed, and that's resiliency, okay? I'd like to just talk with you about that. But sure. the second one was connections. And that's how we met. And that's how these opportunities, like you had a, a, a traumatic event happen where you're basically, you're, you're fired, you learn that. Mm-hmm. And within, like, you, I think it's the combination of resiliency and those connections. You took it upon yourself to like start working it. Like, what's the solution? And so yeah, it was only you know, so recently that, that I feel comfortable talking about it. I'll I say suppose. it to our high school students now because yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a an attention getter. Yeah, I totally get yeah. that. But then and, you have to justify back because you think you got fired. It's okay. What did you do? You're yeah. the bad one. Well, yeah. I I justified as I did it to myself because I needed to get out of there. Hmm. So you keep know. going. Like, so, so how did that land you to, to now working with, with youth? What, <clears throat> what was the evolution there? You know, I, I think back, um, there's, a uh, my social studies teacher in, in middle in junior high, Dave Hilton, um, a state championship softball coach in Webster city. Um, he was one, I think back, he saw some stuff in me and whether he'll admit that now or not, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wasn't a basketball superstar, but I think he saw, Hey, you know, I'm going to have you, I'm going to teach you how to do stats. And of course mm-hmm. I'm the kid going, no, I want to play basketball, but I took it on, but it's had skill set that then carried me through in my broadcasting that I know how to keep score and I know how to keep the flow of games and things like that. Fast forward here to 2000 and 2009 or somewhere in there, um, that, uh, he was coaching back. He was coaching a softball team, uh, Northeast Hamilton. I don't even know if they're still around anymore, uh, over long I 35 in Iowa. Um, he was playing over near me, went in and stopped and talked to him and was telling, he goes, what are you up to? And I told him, he goes, you don't really like that. Do you? He just called me out. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't like it. And I think that was, um, somebody else telling me that something I knew, but yeah, wasn't going to quite bring to the forefront yet. Cause I think, you know, I was still recovering from what had taken place, um, you know, after leaving, uh, leaving, uh, college sports, uh, at UNI. But I think from that point on, I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where am I going? What are things happening? And I was at a networking event and talking to somebody about a job or some, or no, I think it got brought up this economic development, you know, you should look at this job in Independence, which is a small town in Northeast Iowa and economic development. I go, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that is. I had to Google it. And, uh, you know, so I, uh, what is that? And it's communications, it's connecting, it's uh, marketing, it's, you know, organization, you know, talking mm-hmm. to people and they're like, you'd be good at that. And of course I'm like, why is this the first someone's telling me about this? You know, why didn't someone say, this is where you line up? And, and as I'm going through the four and a half years in that Buchanan County Economic Development Office, I'm really tied to the workforce thing. And I'm seeing the gaps that we have with our companies that will say, I can find people, but I can't find workers. 
And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's a lot of it comes into, you know, the soft skills, 21st century skills, whatever you want to call it, that, uh, you know, showing up on time, communicating, being able to problem solve with, with, uh, with not much direction, um, critical thinking skills, things like that. And then I start peeling back, well, where, why is it that case? And I think this is, these are things and skill sets I think we had learned growing up. Um, and we'd learn them through maybe going in our churches or other support groups or whatever. And, and we're missing that, you know, we're missing that. And, and then I start peeling back and this may upset some people, but organized uh, youth sports is not helping our workforce at all. Oh, agreed. Uh, and my opinion is we are overscheduling these kids that they are not thinking for themselves. They are directed to where they need to be. And I know there's some exceptions out there. I'll put that sure. asterisk in there. Um, but I, I do see this and I'm like, then I, I've been watching this as my daughter graduates this year, friends that she's had in grades above or below her, they get to high school and they're done. They mm -hmm. are done because now they have the choice to play or not play and they're done yeah. and they're really good players well, they should be because they've played 10,000 hours, but they're done. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. So I started, this is where I started really drawing in. And again, James, I didn't know this is where I was going to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just what I, I was being drawn to that. And then went to work uh, at uh, a larger regional group here uh, in Northeast Iowa and was really drawn into the entrepreneurial mindset, continue to see the gaps in our workforce, and then went on my own. Um, Gave up my W two job and and uh, did some consulting and that's when I it, I think I had people must have identified skill sets that I had. So it comes back to connections. So a, a summer youth jobs program in Waterloo, organizing that, connecting businesses and education together, and that's where I really started realizing. Okay, there's a niche here that, that no one seems to be in is connecting business and education because they just they don't they don't match up. There's always, you know, one goes nine, one works nine months a year, one works 12 months a year. Mm -hmm. You know, they're on different schedules. If it snows, they shut down businesses, they keep going. So it's a whole different mindset that, that's out there. Um, so between that program and then um, the Center for Advanced Professional Studies with the Cedar Falls School District, CAPS, and we'll talk about that, they reached out. Uh, they needed connections, uh, uh, business connections with education. So I was like, okay, we'll try this out. And that was December of 2016. And I said, okay, when do we get started? They said, well, our first class is in a month. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we better get to work. Uh, this was December, James. This was December. And we had to start in January. And you know what happens between early December and January? Yeah. Usually, usually a lot of nothing. Right. That's what I was going to say. Pretty much everything stops for the holidays. Right, right. So Ethan Weekman, who's our director for CAPS now, he was a math teacher. They pulled him out of the classroom. They identified him as being a good instructor for this. You know, we're going, we were doing meetings, you know, the last two weeks of the year, Christmas, uh, between Christmas, New Year's, we're working, trying to figure out what this is. And we didn't really know what it was. We sure. had an idea of some things. And as we're going through this and I'm realizing Let's let's talk economic development with this program, not just education and learning, but how do we expose these kids, um, we call them associates, to jobs that are in this area that they don't know exist or companies that are out there? And then turn, how do we get those, those mentors and those companies that 
are the ones saying we want to get into education because we want to not only help grow, you know, a young person, but we want to show them what we do. And, and that's what I said to Ethan, we've got to do this. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've got to expose these jobs, but then as we're going along, it comes back again, that thought I had from companies on, on having people, not workers, Let's make that a core of what we do in CAPS of tre- teaching those problem-solving skills and, uh, uh, and having those professional skills, things like that. But then I peel back even deeper. Um, career exploration has got to be a focus. If these students are leaving their high school and do not know their next step and why, we have failed them. And I have said that as I've sat on the school board in Jessup, Iowa for, you know, I'm in a second, I'm in, uh, I've been on their two terms, two non-consecutive terms, but I'm like, we've got to push this. And, you know, this is the time of year that you run into a high school senior and and your question is, what are you doing next year? I know. Some will tell you some BS answer. Some will climb under the table. Some will run away. Uh, (laughs) Some have it figured out, but that's what it comes back to is how do we provide exposure and experience for these students to then take action on their futures? There's so much pressure. I, I mean, today we're recording this on May 7, 2021. And I just remember it's been a long time, you know, since I graduated high school, but I can remember the pressure of those questions. What are you going to do? And it wasn't just in May. It had been pretty much your entire senior year. You know, your parents right. are asking right. you, what do you want to do? Like, are you doing the college visits? And you see your friends going and doing the college visits. And for me, none of that appealed to me, but I thought it was what I was supposed to do. So sitting with a guidance counselor, you know, back in the day, that's how we did stuff. You take these assessments. Well, it looks like you'd be suited to do this or that. And it's like, but not, okay, great. But that doesn't even sound interesting to me. I literally or I don't even know no, what that is. <laughs> that's there was one there. I won't right. even say what it was, but I was like, I have no clue what that is, but it was, um, you know, growing up in, in Iowa, it was, you know, there was agriculture and there was all these other things, but, but I was really like what I'm doing today. I don't think was a career option back then. I don't think it was even on anybody's radar. No, you would have been told to, then that's ridiculous. James, go get exactly. a real job. Exactly. What do you, okay. So great, great dream. What are you going to do to actually provide money? Right. Right. And so, um, you know, so I, I did have other interests that I wanted to pursue. Um, but I've always been that guy. I've never been the guy that just knew from, he was six years old that he was going to be a a veterinarian or a doctor or a lawyer, you know, all these, just what I think, you know, careers that just pop in your head. I was like, I don't know. And, and at 50 years old today, I'm still telling you, I finally feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know where it's going to lead. And, and that's um, just to listen to your story. What a great collection of experiences and people pouring into you over literally decades that has shaped who you are that now you're able to pass on. I, I just think that there's so many of these one decisions, right? One decision to say yes, one decision to make that call, one decision to, to, uh, uh, you know, maybe it was out of your control of like, you know, you're not a right fit here. These decisions impact everything. The ripple effects are enormous. And that's, uh, that's, that's fun to talk through. Yeah. It's, uh, there's so many opportunities out there that, that we just don't know. And, you know, I went on to Iowa state thinking I got to have a degree. Um, to get into my mm-hmm. doing, knowing now that I, I didn't, but I did have a goal of I want to own a radio station, which now is a is a ridiculous idea, uh, because 
this is basically a radio station, right? Or for sure. app is a radio station <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah. you want to do. Um, that, that, but that's how I saw somebody succeeding in the broadcast business was a station owner. You know, he had yeah. a house in Florida, he had a pool at his home, he had nice cars. I was like, he must be doing right. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, but I don't want to sell advertising, you know, but that's, that's what that world is. And right. it's like, okay, well, what else do you get into? But, you know, I go back to that world. No one ever sat me down and said, okay, this is that world. You know, here's the hours. Here's what that work is. Here's where you can bottom out. Here's where you can peak out. Um, you know, here's what a good salary is. No one ever did that. And that's what we try and do. That's what I try and do uh, with my, my private coaching, but also with our CAPS program. Let's let's open it up. Let's be uh, candid of, okay, you want to be an OB nurse. Are you ready for when that baby comes in stillborn? Are you ready when there's blood everywhere? You know, all the, yeah. you have, you have to have those conversations and, you know, <laughs> you reminds can me say, real quick, I, I had an X, I had a friend in high school, went into x-ray tech uh, because I'd heard lucrative things about that, that in 1989, 1990, right. that was a big deal. Right. right? And dropped out right. of the program because they couldn't handle the, the, the injuries, the blood. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you don't see these things. You know, I, I had a I had a young lady last week, dental hygienist, and I'm like, well, well, why? And it turns out, um, her dad wanted her to be a dentist, but she didn't want to go through that school, so the compromise was dental hygienist. And uh, I said, okay, well, let's let's look at this, and this comes into um, trying to figure out in doing work that you're wired to do. So yeah. I used some assessments, Myers-Briggs and a motivator's assessment, some other things. And in one of the reports, it says that's a job she should not have mm-hmm. or, or is not wired to fit into that because of her personality type. <clears throat> and I looked at that. It doesn't happen very often, but it does. And usually when it, when I peel it back, it's because somebody had an outside influence on that person to make that decision saying, this is what you should do. And that, that student or that person may feel like, well, that's what they told me I should do. That's maybe where I should go with this. Uh, and instead of taking risks and, or I don't want to upset them. And my, my thought is that student's dad probably has a friend, has a best friend that's a dentist and he probably does really well. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thought you should get into that. And that's what I usually we, see. It's dentists, lawyers, whatever you run into some of those issues. It's, it's, it's well-intended or, or it's, it's the right intention behind it, you know? And, and so we can get people that are important in our lives that influences us in a certain way, coach, teacher, parent, mentor, uh, whoever that might be that are influencing us and they have good intentions. They, they have our best interest and yet they may not think to ask all the right questions. In fact, that to me was the thing that I come back to. I remember sitting in my guidance counselor's office and I don't remember talking much. I remember them telling me things mm-hmm. and kind of trying to steer me. And, and, you know, they had a appointment after appointment they had to get yep. through. They needed yep. to check the box that we've met with everybody in the junior class or whatever it was at the time. Right. And so you get your 45 minutes to an hour with them, uh, is kind of how I remember it going, but these well-intended. Do you remember what you told? Do you remember what you told that guy, counselor? What your plan was, or what you were interested in? <laughs> I, 
I, I don't, I, I think I probably just said, I have about 17 interests. Like I wanted to be a geologist. You talked about being in, you know, astronomy or an astronaut. Astronomy was a huge thing for me. So I had this, I had this really complex, like I was really into sciences, but then I thought, Oh, it'd be really great to be into um, journalism. Cause I loved journalism and I love photography. I love telling stories. I had competency there. Then there was the, the interest of um, teaching and some of these other things. I was all across the board and, and up until I was into maybe 40 I still felt that angst of like, I don't think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing still. And, right. and just, you know, people, again, this is where you have to be really careful about advice and listening to advice and, and understanding who's giving it. And, and sometimes you've just got to know that the compass that's in your heart is the one that is, is the one that you have to follow. But when you're 16, 17, 18, maybe 30, I don't know. Like if you've never been able to to tap into that and there's a dream that's inside your heart or something that you know that you're so good at pursuing, but it just seems impractical that we never do it. And one of my favorite quotes, I believe it's Ben Franklin that you attribute this one to. And it's, and it goes like this, uh, some people, I think he said some men die at, at 25, but aren't buried until they're 75. In other words, they live a life that kind of ends at 25 and for the next 50 years, just do like the minimum, just getting by. We, we go right. to work Monday through Friday. We live for the weekends. We, we live for the vacation. We uh, buy a few toys to kind of help us through it. And we look back on a life that was um, quite honestly um, in some ways wasted. And that that's like, that scares the heck out of me, Nate. That scares the heck out of me. Well, it's just like, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure you follow your Gary Vanderchuck a little bit or oh, sure, yeah. some of his stuff, but you know, his, his thing he always says is, you know, if, if you want to ignite your life, go go to a nursing home and talk to a, a resident there about what they, what, what regrets they have. Right. And, you know, and that, that kind of, you know, when I went on my own and maybe you had some of that same drive of, you're following people like that and Seth Godin and Simon Sinek and, and around the world. Um, you know, Tim Ferriss, I'm looking at my bookshelf of all the things that I looking for that, uh, you know, looking for that uh, golden egg, right. Yep. Uh, or silver bullet or whatever you want to say. Um, but it's like, that's, that's a real thing that mm. you've got this life and you don't want to have regrets. Yeah. There are things that you still have to take care of in your life with your family and responsibilities and whatever it happens to be in your community, but it is your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your life is, or I guess it shouldn't be sometimes, but your life is also your family and your wife and there's responsibilities there. But, um, and this is conversations like, you know, for example, the, the girl with the dietal hygienist or the girl that I've had that wanted to be a lawyer. I had a girl this, uh, or a, a student this year that, um, wanted to be, um, she was interested in like metal medical technology or something. And I and we kind of talked through that of, well, what do you need to do to get that? Or what are you going to do? And she goes, well, I'm going to go to, go to four-year college, Iowa or something. And I said, well, you know, you could probably do that you know, in a year, uh, at a community college and they'll probably pay for it. And she says, no, but I'm going to go to college. I said, well, who's paying for that college? She said, well, I am. I said, well, who wants you to go to college? My parents. And you could kind of tell the room. It was like, Oh yeah. She got, yeah. <laughs> he, he caught her on this one yeah. and it was just kind of, uh, yeah. 
Oh, and I will tell you, I didn't know this till a couple of weeks ago. This is with one of our programs here that the instructor said she did not like me for a while um, because I brought that up and it sure. kind of shut her down a little bit. Cause I, cause I said to her after she said that, I go, whose life are you living? And that's what I ask mm. him. Whose life are you living? And well, mine, I said, that's right. But yeah, if you have your parents invested in your education financially or whatever, yes, they do have a say. Just like if you're running a business and you got some investors in there, yeah, they should have some input. Um, just like, you know, we're helping my daughter out. I feel like we should still have some input on what we're investing in um, until that day comes that she's on her own. Because uh, I think I wish I had that. We always say, I'm not helping my kids. They can figure it out. I'm like, well, we're not helping them at all if we're not, you know, long term. <laughs> right. But again, it's, it's um, you know, it's their life. And that's what we have to stress is them knowing that decisions they're making and opportunities that they're missing, um, you know, there's there's things that they have to keep working through. And, and what I really, James, this semester and going through the career discovery workshops I do with, with uh, students, <clears throat> they go through a Myers-Briggs type personality test. And it's so interesting when they get their report and I have them read through the overview and I say, reflect on that. What are you, what are you seeing? And you're like, they, there's this continued response of that's me. Like, yes. like, like somebody had withheld information from them all these years that all of a sudden I feel this, this is me and this is experiences. And I can, I can relate examples to this. And it's been overwhelming for me to see that reaction as a whole uh, because I feel like, and again, a theory, I feel like there's adults or friends or teachers or whatever in, in people's lives, you could say kids or, or adults, they get told who they are, how they are, what they are. They don't get that chance to do that own exploration to see who they are themselves and, and follow that. Uh, lots of thoughts going through my head and it even came back to, uh, it even came back to like, you mentioned, um, sports, little league sports, competitive little league sports. You know, yeah. I don't even know if yeah. you can call it little league. Like it's, it's all these different things, but like, um, the boy that is right field, right. We got to put somebody out there, but yeah. what, yeah. but, but that kid at some point in his life, is going to, his body's going to change. He's going to mature. Yeah. He's going to grow. What if one of the reasons he's in right field is he's got a heck of an arm, right? Is he, is, does he have potential to be a pitcher? You know, who knows, but we, we, we pigeonhole, but did you give him a chance? Time. Did somebody exactly. give him a chance? This is my point. And so this is what happens also when we start thinking about <clears throat> how you just, I loved how you said that we've been told, this is what you can do. This is, this is how you're best suited. And when you look at, you know, you're talking about using your assessments. I use strength finder kind of the same result. People look at that and I've watched grown men at 60 years old, tear up because for the first time somebody showed them and what it was them, it was reading a report that was uniquely, um, 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 uh, what am I trying to say? It was uniquely crafted for them based on their top five strengths. That this is who I am. And for so many years, they've been told, don't do that. You aren't that. And, and it's been like, it's, it's this incredible release. I would love to know if there was a way 
that we could bring that to education, like whether it's the Myers-Briggs or whatever assessment it is, Strengths Finder. What if I knew who I was before I sat in that guidance counselor's office to discuss opportunities and you know future things that I might want to pursue? What I'm uniquely gifted at? How am I wired? What makes me exceptional? What magnificent talents do I have? Because at 16, 17, 18, you know what? We have so much insecurity. There's so many things that the world and our peers and our parents and again, well-intended adults have told us that we're like, but I don't know. And I, and I always come back to saying, you know, I was an 80 percenter, which means I wasn't the top 10 percent. And I wasn't in the bottom 10%, however you want to frame it up, whether that's social, economic, whatever it is, whatever demographic, you know, where you people hide is in the middle. They hide in the 80% and I can hide in plain sight. And I think so many kids can, can get away with that. So I love the efforts like that you're doing or that other professionals in that space are doing to see the, not just the potential, but like, what capabilities do you have in you? And not just trying to, you know, tell them, but to unlock it, what, like, and get them to have a dialogue. Remember I said, I was sitting in a guidance counselor's office. I don't think I spoke that much. Yeah. Like yeah. what if, if it you was, came in and and said, I, uh, you said, I want to be a doctor. They said, Oh, let's get you in science classes. Let's do this, this, and this. Um, they may not open up your grades and see that you're a, a DNC student in biology and thinking, okay, you know, maybe not, maybe not doctor, you know, let's explore this because you're right. They don't have the time for it. And especially nowadays with the way school, school counselors or guidance counselors or however they want to be called now, um, they don't, they don't have that capacity. There's so much on their plate, uh, between social, emotional learning issues or family issues or drug issues or booking college classes and things like mm. that. That's, that's a gap that in our systems we need to, you know, we need to invest more resources into, but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, before, um, you know, I think we could probably talk for 24 hours straight, James and sure. And, uh, yeah. You know, and just, and just keep going. But, um, but the biggest thing that, that I focus on and it is trying to figure out what work are they wired to do? I want to begin, you know, you know, James or Franklin Covey type stuff, um, you know, begin with the end in mind. Uh, let's look ahead. And I've been calling it this, let's, that, that gap after high school, that may be a month, it may be six years, maybe eight years, depending on your, your, your choices or pathways. What's beyond the other side of that gap that you are wired to do the work, the area, the job, whatever you want to call it. And let's say it is astronaut. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to be an astronaut. Okay. Let's, let's, we're, that's where we're going. Let's build that bridge backwards. That's going to show you where you need to get to, um, to follow that. Is it a, uh, aeronautical space degree from Purdue and internships and connections along the way with people from NASA or SpaceX or blue, Hor blue origin or whatever it happens to be. And if you can now see that path and you're like, yeah, that's, uh, no, because I think I always go, okay, what, what is your heart feeling? Because if you look at it and say, no, I, your chances of succeeding in it are, are not going to work. But if you're like graphic design and I can talk to these people and work in these industries, these jobs are out here and let's start building back going, okay, I don't have to go to four-year college. I can go to the community college or heck, I could go be apprenticed at this uh, ad agency that, that needs people and they'll train me. 
let's let's look at those opportunities. Let's not say my next step after high school is I'm going to college. No, I want that. Your first response is, what are you doing next year? This is a graduation story. I want to be a graphic designer and I want to design uh, elaborate uh, promotional campaign materials for the American Cancer Society because I want to help find a cure for cancer because my grandma passed away from cancer and that's how I want to contribute to the world. And to do that, I'm going to continue working at this agency. I'm going to get a graphic design degree from this college and to keep uh, exposure and experience, I'm just going to keep working at my practice and keep working on these things. You know, if I say that to you, James, as a high school student, you're probably like, where can I write the check? I want to invest right. in your future, right? right? But if you tell me you're going to college, you don't know why, I'm thinking, I'm going to take my card back and six more pieces of cake and I'm out of here. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's funny. No, I, I, you, you're just hitting the nail on the head right there. And, and to be able to express something uh, the way that you did it right there to be able to, um, in their own words, put the why behind it. That's so incredible. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, I believe adults would be, con um, I think are conditioned to be uh, afraid to do that. Like, I think there's fear of, of like putting something out there that sounds a little bit bold because I might get criticized for it. Somebody else is going to go, that'll never happen. Like, pff, good luck. Like, you know, do you know how hard that is? And so all these, all these well-intended things start to come in right. because it right. scares them. So we don't want to put that out there. And as an 18 year old young man or young woman, uh, if I, cause that's rare. And if you see it now, it's like, you want to go give them a hug. And instead of taking six pieces of cake, you want to like, listen, I only slipped a, a 10 in that card. I want to give you a hundred, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's like, you want to invest in that kid. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's the thing is if you tell that story and then I'm that kid telling you, James, and you're like graphic design, you know, I got some graphic design work I need done. You know, let's talk. You know, I yeah. got some, I got some stuff I need to be done for the work I do or, Hey, I know so-and-so you should talk to again, coming back to networks, coming back to connections, connections. You know, if you absolutely. Can, if you got those stories and it's like, okay, you telling me that just built some trust that I feel like you're going to be successful. And how can I invest in that? Absolutely. Well, Nate, uh, kind of as we wind down here, as you already said, we could probably talk for hours and hours on this stuff, but, uh, I want to thank you for, for being part and just like opening a, a dialogue, I think in something that's so incredibly important to do. Um, I would love our listeners to be able to know how to contact you, maybe just give a little, you know, um, yeah, I don't know if you have any programs that are currently going on. Is is this the right season to be thinking about things? I know, you know, if you're graduating now, like it's maybe a little late, but maybe not. So just tell people how they can get a hold of you and what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, I think through too, but I think there's always uh, <laughs> there's always opportunity uh, to explore where you should go next. We're gonna have some boomerang graduates here pretty soon that will go off to college and realize it's not their thing and come back home. And, and there's some frustration there of, I moved home, but parents are like, oh, they moved home. I need to get rid of them or, or need to help them find their next steps. But uh, I'm on you know all social media, primarily uh, link. I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, I, it's parents who I wanna talk to. Um, you know, we're helping the, helping those students or those kids, but, um, it's the parents, you know, and I, and I say, I'm that parent that isn't their parent that they may listen to more so. 
of helping them with their different directions. So yeah. I'll do some different workshops uh, coming up in the next uh, you know six months or whatever. Um, but if you go to nateclayberg.com, um, you know, let's get on the phone. You know, twenty minutes. It's going to Zoom call, whatever it happens to be. Um, that you know, let's let's see where your gaps are, let's see where your challenges are, and yeah, eventually I want to bring in that student because it is their life, and they're the ones that has to do the work. But uh, yeah, if you go to nateclayberg.com, um, you know, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a there's a good video on there, uh, James. I talked to Dan and Valerie Cockrell here last week. I saw that. Um, yeah, they were both. Uh, they're both uh, Disney. Uh, they both were execs with Disney World uh, in Orlando, and had three kids. And now they've gone on their own as consulting. And I've I've kind of joined his circle a little bit and helping him with some things. So um, there's a really good career adventure conversation uh, video on there that I invite people to check out and just kind of go from there. But you know, everybody knows a high school student and uh, or even a boomerang student that you may think you know, or they may think they know what their plan is, that they are going to be a doctor, they're going to be a dental hygienist, they're going to be a teacher. Um, I want to prove it. When somebody tells me that, I'm like, okay, let's prove it. I'm not saying no, but let's prove it. Just like geometry class, we got to prove that theorem. Because the power and the proof then is is the confidence that it inspires, right? right? I right. am on the right path. Oh, this feels so yep. like empowering. Yeah. And let's set your trajectory. You know, that's where the adventure begins. Let's, let's, you know, let's get that plan. Let's get your GPS programmed to where you're going, but be ready along the way. If you have to make a pivot because there's a road closed and you have to take a different exit, be ready for that. You know, that's, that's where my whole career adventure uh, uh, narrative comes in is it is a road and it's not just a straight shot. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be around. There's going to be detours. Uh, there's going to be uh, traffic jams. Um, you know, but, but how are you going to uh, live your life? So yeah. I would love to talk to anybody out there. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, I'll have links in the in the description for the podcast episode, and I just want to thank everybody for for getting a chance to, you know, hang on and and listen through this conversation. I think this is just some really important things that uh, parents, grandparents, or or just, you know, adults, we just need to pay attention to these things. Kids, kids need to be heard and, uh, and we need to be able to see and encourage their gifts. So Nate, yep. I want to yep. thank you again for being here. Uh, keep up the great work and I look forward to talking with you again. James, thanks for the opportunity. All right. We'll catch you later. Thank you.